are listening to Let Me Overthink About It, where I dive into a series of topics that occupy my anxious mind. In episode 15, I overthink about burnout. I'm Sam Medore, overthinker extraordinaire. I am here with Martina Kalaitis. Hey, Martina, how you doing? Hi, Samantha. Good. How are you? Do you prefer Sam? I prefer Sam, but I love Samantha. I don't know. You know, it's an interesting question because I I do love the name Samantha, but I always feel more comfortable. I feel like I'm in trouble if people call me Samantha. <laughs> the full name. That That's the full name effect. Of course. So, right? Yes. Thank you, Sam, for, uh, <laughs> for inviting me to be here today. <laughs> You're not in trouble yet, so I will use Sam. <laughs> if at any time during this conversation you call me Samantha, I'll know I've said something wrong. How's that? <laughs> so great. I love podcasting in 2020 because we're doing this through Zoom. You're in Halifax, right? Actually, I'm across the bridge. I'm in Cole Harbor. <laughs> and so we're chatting here uh, through Zoom. And I just want to do a quick uh, shout out to you and your podcast, which was also started in the midst of a pandemic, if I'm if I'm saying that correctly, or at least in 2020. That's right. May 2020. Wow, that's so great. And maybe just give us a little bit of a plug for your podcast, Martina. So Life Out Loud podcast is the title. Um, and basically, it's just when I started it, I really just wanted it to be another part of my business where I do. I talk a lot about like mental health promotion um, in the workplace and uh, just, I, I guess, in life in general. And, and so I wanted this creative platform to just have a space where we can talk about how our everyday interactions have an impact on our mental health, whether it be um, the interactions that we have in the world um, around us with current events, with, um, with one another, and, and also most importantly within ourselves. So how do we um, perceive these different interactions in the world with other people within ourselves Um, And how do we use these, you know, as life lessons? Um, Mm. How do we promote showing up as our best selves? And a lot of those conversations surround mental health in general. And I've talked a lot about um, fear, uh, especially. I think I started my, well, I did start, not I think, I was there. I started my podcast (laughs) Uh, with doing it scared because it was one of the things that I just was so nervous about doing. And it's like, am I a podcaster? I'm not like, I'm not like Joe Rogan, but no, no one starts off as Joe Rogan either. Um, And I talk a lot about like vulnerability because I think, you know, if we're having these conversations about, you know, different things that are happening in this world, we are talking about, vulnerability and we're talking about courage and we're talking about um yeah just how we can present ourselves in the best possible way in this life and 100 percent, I love that and it's helping to again another way of normalizing that conversation around mental wellness and you know bringing it up in more um 
conversational tone so that people get used to hearing some of these things and hearing about fear and courage and and all of those things. So that's really cool. And I love listening. Well, you know, and it's funny because um, when I had co-founded uh, a mental health organization prior to taking on, you know, a new business venture, our mission was really to talk about mental health in a big way, <clears throat> excuse me, and be very open about our struggles and, you know, our, our situations and our diagnoses. And, and so I think that was, that was kind of the starting point for me to start peeling back the layers of my own life, because a lot of the times, you know, for many, many years, I have just always had this idea of, you know, living the perfect life, having the perfect marriage, having the perfect job, you know, doing everything perfectly and striving so much for perfection. And it wasn't until I allowed myself to lean into the vulnerable, the vulnerable spaces within my life, the things that really, um, were really part of how to live an authentic and a real life. When I started to tap into that and accept the challenges that I had faced, that was when I was like, okay, perfect. Perfection obviously doesn't exist. I know this, but I'm, I'm going to stop striving for that because um, for too long, I was just carrying this, this guard, this armor and it's becoming heavy. And it led to a lot of different things, including burnout, which I know we'll talk about, but um, when I became, when I became more vulnerable and became more open with my situation, that's when I found true connection. That's when I was able to talk to other people who had similar experiences on their journey. And that's why I was like, this is what life is about. It's not about showing up in the perfect way, because I think we all have the desire to kind of have a different image on the outside and, and, you know, it's scary to put ourselves out there. It, it takes courage to be vulnerable because we don't know how people will respond. We don't know, you know, what kind of risk actually we're taking in that sense, how, you know, how it will turn out. Um, but I, I've never regretted, you know, taking my journey in, in this kind of place where I'm just allowing myself to be freed by that feeling of having to be perfect or having to have everything together. It's so, it's, it's so much better oh, <laughs> living a life where you're real and authentic as opposed to just pretending. I agree with that. I agree with so much that you just said, and I'm so happy that you brought up that that piece of, uh, you know, living that authentic life. I mean, talk about fear. It shouldn't be scary, obviously, to, to be real, to be yourself, but it is. And opening up to people about that is scary. Um, but the reward, as you said, is so, so powerful to know, A, that you're not alone, but know that you can potentially help other people by talking about it too, and yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, it, yeah, so powerful. And I just, I think the more we talk about it, the more we can normalize it, like, like as you said earlier. And that's why I'm just a huge, huge fan of Dr. Brene Brown, because she Aww. really is just, she is, you know, the, 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 the I'm going to say the front runner of 
this vulnerability movement of talking about shame, of talking about like courage and in such a real way and in relatable way. And so I'm like, we've got some work to do. We've got some unpacking to do. We've got some removing of the armor to do as a society, but you know, it always begins with us first. And so I just want to, I just want to be that person who, you know, is just real and honest with themselves and in the journey that they're on and hopefully have um, a positive impact in the lives of others. Totally. Well, you're doing it. Um, and that's why I'm so happy to have you here as a guest. And you mentioned we're going to talk about, we're going to overthink about burnout. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Martina, if you can relate to the overthinking. I feel like you probably can. Uh, so burnout is something that I know. So just to give a bit of history, we met not long ago this summer when we were uh, part of the Social Media Day Halifax virtual event. And you had mentioned burnout in in conversation. We did a panel on mental health and and social media and how those two things intersect. And when you mentioned burnout, I thought, man, that's going to be a great topic to pull into my podcast because it's so, so real and something that so many people can relate to. So maybe, Martina, just give us a little bit of a, a, a piece, a snapshot. I know it's a big topic of, of what your experience with burnout has been and how that's affected your, your mental wellness. Yeah, so um, I, uh, I'm going to say originally burnt, burnt out. Uh, well, when I was put off work um, for, for burnout and just mental health reasons, um, that was back in 2018. And, uh, you know, burnout isn't something that just happens overnight. It's, it's something that um, develops over a period of time. And I certainly was aware of some of those, you know, symptoms that I had been experiencing that could potentially have been burnout. Um, but I was certainly in a, a stage of denial where, um, well, there are many reasons why I avoided <laughs> um, one being that there was a lot of um, deep rooted issues that, you know, I had been working through in therapy that was, you know, really hard. And, and so one of the things that I've always done as a protective um, mechanism um, for hard and difficult things and emotions um, <clears throat> excuse me, is to avoid and distract. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, I did that by just keeping myself really busy. And oftentimes it was, you know, keeping myself busy with work, um, taking on too much, um, keeping a, a full social life when, you know, I don't have any space for it, all, all those sorts of things. Um, and so I, you know, <laughs> I just came to a place where, you know, I knew I was, I was certainly pouring my last drops, you know, it was, it was coming to an end, but I, again, I still wasn't going to accept it. And I'm just always so grateful for my employer at the time who had recognized that um, something had changed that um, perhaps maybe not so much of a performance, but more of um, a personal um, or awareness of like personal changes where you know, they became overly concerned with my 
wellness and had identified that and had met with me. And, and, you know, I, again, I was kind of like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, you know, maybe a little tired, but you know, let's carry on whatever. Um, but after the third meeting, <laughs> my <laughs> employer, um, actually the second meeting was actually before Christmas is 2017. So Christmas time. And, and, uh, just before we went off, uh, on Christmas break, um, my CEO, he had encouraged me to maybe like find a little place, like a little cabin over the break and like do some soul searching. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that is such a good idea. And, and so sure enough, I went back in my office, I booked this Airbnb and um, I was like, I'm just going to sit in this Airbnb by the fireplace. I'm going to write, I'm going to journal, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to read a whole bunch of books. And I did, none of that. <laughs> I, I went into the cabin and I crashed. I cried and I just, I, I felt immobilized and I knew my body was telling me something that I'm experiencing physical exhaustion right now. Um, mentally, I was also exhausted. Um, but then when I returned to work in the new year, I still was kind of, you know, denying it. And, you know, upon another meeting, they had encouraged that I take some time off and course they can't force you but I, I really <clears throat> I kind of heard the urgency and and when my employer mentioned about this idea of this hamster running on this wheel continuously running on this wheel to avoid having to deal with something and I was in that meeting and I was like oh my gosh that's me that's a hamster I'm avoiding I'm what am I avoiding and then it all <laughs> flooded my my mind flooded with all these things that I've been working through and therapy and everything else that's happening in my personal life that was just feeling like it was falling apart. And in my head, I was like, don't you dare cry. Don't you dare cry. Like, <laughs> coaching myself, you be strong. Don't you show any sign of weakness. And anyway, I bawled and I knew that I needed to take some time off. And I, you know, I was like, okay, well, I remember going to my office, like packing up some stuff I was going to work on when I was off. And my, my manager was like, oh, no, 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 no. No, you're taking a break. Like there's yeah. going to be no working at home. And I'm glad they really enforce that. And, uh, but when I, when I was off work and I was meeting with my doctor and um, yeah, burnout, I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety. Um, and it would, that was, that was hard. It was a hard thing to accept that yes. I had gotten to that place, especially, um, I had been facilitating in the uh, continuing care system program and I was focused on like some of the, the work around stress management. Like uh, that was kind of part of my delivery was, you know, talking about burnout, talking about um, compassion fatigue and all these things. And I even remember standing in front of the class and, and, and delivering this presentation and even telling myself that you're a fraud. Right. How dare you tell how dare you tell the students how important taking care of yourself is and you're not even doing it yourself. I, I will never forget that day. And, you know, that was probably maybe a year before I actually went off work. And right. yeah. So it's when I, so when I was off, it was just, I just, everything, it was just like someone popped, popped this balloon and just everything was all the air just left. Wow. And 
You know, and I there's so many pieces that I want to pull out of what you just said, Martina, because it's so powerful and I so can relate to so much of it. Um, first off, I just want to stress the importance of the fact that you had such a supportive employer. That does not happen with everyone. And so that is, as anybody who might be listening who is an employer, I know it can be challenging because of the stigma and because of all of the intricacies that go along with it. But it's so important to have a a mindset that allows to have these conversations around mental wellness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I recognize that as well. And I think that's why I really wanted to take my message into the workplaces to really hold space for employers who, who may have a hard time with even initiating that conversation. Yes. You know, like I worked in the social services field. And so it was kind of more of a familiar place to have these discussions, these hard conversations, um, especially around mental health and, and, and employee um, psychological health and safety. Like that was, you know, that was something that they were, I think, comfortable. It appeared as though they were comfortable with having that conversation. But I do recognize that it's not a common place. So, but it is so, so important. So important. And yeah, I just wanted to, to re-emphasize that piece. And also, you know, you're talking about the physical symptoms. And it's funny because I had a similar experience. And it wasn't really until I, I saw the physical uh, manifestation of my depression when I finally started taking it seriously, which is, I think, just a statement for our society and how we view mental health. It's like all the stuff that's going on in your head isn't legit, but when it becomes a physical problem, it becomes legit, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it it, it encompasses both the, the physical and the, and the mental like that. But it's something that someone can see on the outward, and that and that is why it's, it's an invisible illness. That's that why there's so much stigma around mental illness because, you know, for for some time now, people thought you know it's just in your head, or you can just get over it, or oh, you're making it will up. Be different. You're you're making it up. You're pretending, you know, and it's it's it, that that battle in itself to remove the stigma is, is also you know, hard. It's hard. It's hard for the for the person struggling or living with it because it's like that just compounds it really because it's like, well, maybe it's all in your head becomes maybe it is all in my head because, you know, mental wellness starts to become maybe I, you know, I am second guessing myself because everybody, you know, or some people are questioning whether it's it's really happening to me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, you know, growing up and um, my, my mother who um, lived with depression as well, like just, you know, seeing the symptoms manifest in her life and as a teenager, not understanding, you know, why she was in bed all the time or, you know, different things. And even saying to her, like, well, just get up and go for a walk. Yeah. Like go for a walk around the block if you're feeling tired. And now living living with a depression, it, you know, I, sometimes I even say that to myself. I'm like, no, I'm not. I can barely like jump in the shower right now, yeah. or I can barely like get up and make a meal. Like when I was off work, um, you know, the depression certainly became 
more strong and um, like I experienced more symptoms. And I think too, like just the change in routine, like not getting up and going to work, not feeling like um, I was contributing to society, to my community in any way, feeling like I had failed my clients, feeling like I failed myself, my employer, like all these things just kind of like came together and just put me in this big spiral of depression. And yeah, it was just, it's hard. Like you, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it to someone who may not have lived it because I, I sometimes compare myself to the person I was when I would try and tell my mom to do things and get out of her little headspace compared to the person I am today and knowing the headspace that I've been because I'm living it and how challenging it is to kind of get yourself out of that, that state. It's, you know, sometimes you just need some time to allow yourself to decompress and you need to allow yourself time to, to re-energize by sleeping. You know, I'm not saying that that's not okay, but you know, I wanted to sleep for eternity is kind of where I, that's the deepest place that I go to. And it's not like, um, it's not like, you know, it's not like I, I, I want to kill myself or it's not like suicidal. Like I'm, I'm going to do this to end my life, but it's more of a, I just really want to disengage for a very long time. You just and don't want to know that that can definitely spiral into something more significant and severe. But yeah, when I'm in that place of just complete exhaustion, I just don't want to engage. And you just don't want to be anywhere. And I try to compare, I try to explain that feeling to to people who support me too, because I I don't want that to be interpreted as necessarily a suicidal thought, but it it does obviously sound that way. And so I think, um, again, having that support system of people that A, you can even start to have those conversations with, but also who want to try to understand, I think is so, so valuable um, for anybody who's struggling. Right. And I think that's why it's so important to talk about it. It's it's important to talk, to normalize these conversations because, I mean, I teach mental health first aid and like, even in our, when we talk about mood related disorders, we, we, and that section when we're talking about suicide in Canada and and how do we talk about suicide? How do we ask someone um, if they're having thoughts of suicide you know, we ask them just as I just said, are you having thoughts of suicide? But, but, you know, it may seem simple enough, that question, but it is the hardest thing. And even as a trained facilitator in my work, I've had to ask clients that who have come into my office and have said other things like, you know, I'm just feeling really lost or I'm feeling exhausted or my world's falling apart. I don't know what to do anymore. And like, so sometimes people don't say things directly, you know, yeah. or maybe they don't, they don't even know what they want, but they're just saying, they're saying these things because that's how they're feeling. And so our role as a support person is to help identify and help find some clarity and, and to support that person the best way possible. So I think to your point where, you know, having to explain that to a friend that this is not, it's not a, a, a suicidal thought, but it's just, just wanting to disengage. Disappear. Disappear. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can, I can, 
appreciate, you know, friends who do go there and it's like, okay, let's just clarify first. Right. Because yes. yeah, certainly it, 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 it could be a warning sign. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I want to dig in a little bit to um, how, because now you've been there, you've done the hard work of working through that initial burnout. And and um, I kind of want to get a sense from you now, Martina, how you recognize that now and how you kind of work through it now that you sort of have a few tools in your belt that you can pull from. Well, it's interesting you asked that question <laughs> because I had therapy yesterday and um, I said that same thing to my therapist. I said, you know, I just, and I've been saying it to my husband, which I'm recognizing, I'm saying it more often, which is a sign yes. of um, pending burnout again. And I just, I just want to sleep for a week. I just want to put everything off and I, I said this to my therapist and she said, you know, is it, do you think it's more of burnout or do you think it's depression, symptoms of depression, which made me really think about that. And I was like, I think it may be both. I think yeah. it's because like the seasons changing that we're getting less daylight. Um, and, you know, right now life is all over the place. I think like for me personally, like when I'm living in a, renovation construction zone like we've been renovating our home and like even my office I you know I've got stuff everywhere the windows still needs to be put like we put it in a window and it needs to be fixed and I just said to her and I said you know I'm, I feel like I'm living in chaos and that completely 100% affects my mood and so there's that and work's been busy and I've had to like cancel um, deliveries like with work because I just don't have the space and capacity for it. I'm finding since my initial burnout that since then I am more sensitive to it returning. Like I'm more sensitive to the, 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 the signs of, you know, taking on too much. For example, when I'm doing too much, I, I can recognize, Oh, I've been here before. I remember this feeling. Um, and so it helps me to just try and stay on top of it as opposed yes. to denying and distracting and, and disengaging from it, which is what I did before, which is how it got bad. Um, so I'm really just trying to stay ahead of, ahead of it, ahead of it and, and work with my therapist, work on some of the strategies and techniques that um, I've been given and, um, and just trying to keep it, you know, as minimal as possible. Right. <laughs> and, and my anxiety has been really bad this, this year I find. And, you know, I think it's just because of the recent events we are living in a, in a pandemic, which sometimes I forget about. Right. <laughs> and I've, I've also had to um, uh, disengage from the news. So the news was a really big part of my life. I wake up every morning, would wake up every morning listening to the news. And of course you've got, all the COVID-19 updates, you've got everything, the, the political issues, you've got, you know, the, the cultural things that are happening, the Black Lives Matter, you know, Indigenous rights, all these different things that were going on. And I just was bombarded before my feet even hit the ground. Yes. And so I had to, I had to identify what I needed to remove in my life to allow myself to have the space to function first. 
because even it was affecting my work because I couldn't concentrate. I was all over the place. And, and so I was like, okay, something's got to go because I don't yeah. have room for it. And the news was a big part because now I'm not focusing on the throughout the day. I'm not feeling that energy, negative energy, you know. It's such a big part of it. And I think, and I've said this, and it's not to compare, you know, my anxiety to somebody else's anxiety, but I've said it when I think a lot of people are experiencing anxiety right now who have never experienced it before. But if you think about starting with a base of already an existing, you know, mental illness on top of all of that stuff that uh is happening i mean it's just compounded and it's just so hard to kind of wrap your head around and disengage from especially if you're empathetic at all because holy moly throw that into the mix and and you're just it's it's even harder to to get off that couch right it is it absolutely is i'm i and i'm i'm finding like my struggle and i guess i'm saying this out loud now but <laughs> It, it scares me to even say this, but um, working in the field of mental health this year has been the most like challenging year mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. Right. Because I know I live with a mental illness. And when people come to me, it's in crisis, even though my focus is mental health promotion. So I really was trying and I'm so cognizant to stay in that realm, like the mental promotion. I'm not a crisis support, but when I get my Google analytics back, like majority of people who are searching me out are looking for crisis intervention. Right. And it just goes to show how severe, you know, right now, especially is in terms of people trying to look for resources in the community and supports, which we were, you know, somewhat at a deficit already, you know, before coming into this um, situation that we're in now, but it's just, I've, I've been finding it an extra challenge working in this field this year, you know, one person, I'm trying to do all these different things and it, it just made me sit back and think, okay, what is it that's important to me? What is it that I want to do? How is it that I want to serve the community and not feel burdened by it? Not saying people who who contacted me they're a burden, but there's only so much I, that I can give and do. Like I had someone say, "Oh, I need I need supports for my my employees." Yesterday, so like I mean, I'm booked for for weeks, and then I feel the pressure because I'm like, "Oh my goodness, they need support yesterday," and so they're they're in crisis, and so yeah. I need to be that person. I need to be the super woman, right? I need to put on my cape and save people, but that's not my role. And so like this year is just really been here stretching and, and trying to redefine what it is because I, I will not go back to burnout. I will not go back to burnout. Yeah. I made it my mission not to return to that place. I cannot. And it, and I think you're in, you know, listening to you talking about recognizing those signs coming up again in your current situation, I think is so important because obviously you're learning from having experienced that in the past and recognizing those things. And also one of the hardest things for people like I think I can say safely like us, I, I think you're going to agree with what I'm about to say is saying no to people. Um, So part of, you know, recognizing I do not want to get into burnout again is 
recognizing where and when you should be saying no so that you don't take on more than you can manage. Exactly. And be okay with it. Yeah. Because my, my thing, like last, last November, I actually did a November challenge uh, with my life coach. (laughs) Yeah. So my, my, cause my coach, my life coach often, like we have these conversations on how to say no, like, cause I can't just say no. (laughs) So I just, I did this November challenge and you know, I, I, I focused on what it is I wanted to do and the things that didn't serve me or what I needed to do, I had to say no to. So I had to find different ways to say no. I had to stick by it. But the hardest thing for me is like, when I say it, don't give justification. Just say, you know, no, that doesn't work for me. I don't have to go into a big elaborate story. Like my mental health is declining. And I really, you know, I don't need to do all that. (laughs) Um, but I, I, I often feel guilty and that's my problem is like, I just feel guilty. Like I have to be and do everything for everybody. And I can't, you cannot do that. Yes. And maintain your own wellness. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 100%. Um, I, the, the, I'm learning hard lessons and I'm learning it through having to experience it. <laughs> but like I said, the burnout and just not wanting to return to that place, that, that's one of the things I'm just like, that, that's uh, non-negotiable. My, my health is number one, because if I, if I return to that place again, I'm not showing up for anybody. Right. I'll barely show up for myself. That's right. Who are you helping? Who are you benefiting? How are you, yeah, surviving basically through that? So I love that you're, I love that you're taking those steps. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it also affects the people that are close to you. My marriage suffered big time, mm-hmm. big time. My relationships with friends, family, you know, and it's a it, cycle. you can't pay me enough now. You know, those, those relationships are super, super valuable to me. And so <clears throat> that's why it's a non-negotiable. And, but the thing is you have to really you have to create that standard. You have to really know what your limits are. What is your capacity? You create it, you stick to it. And you're, I love that you said you're okay with it. You've got to be okay with, with it because otherwise the guilt will get in the way. And you know, there, there's no end to that cycle. Exactly. And if you need to write out different ways of saying no, do that. You know, rehearse lines that are comfortable for you that, you know, when you're in a a position where you have to, um, you know, respond to a request. Like, and you know what? The other thing is we're such immediate, like we're such a society that everything is immediate. We can delay it. We can say, you know what? I I have to get back to you on that. Or, you know, we don't have to say yes in that moment or feel that we have to give someone a response immediately. Exactly. You know, I think sometimes we we remove the control that we have because we just assume that people want it right away. And sometimes people aren't even really expecting it right away. It's just something that we think that people want. Yes, we're putting our own assumed expectations on uh, on it and all you got to do. And I think I, I talked about this in a previous episode as well, that, you know, all you have to do is just ask and try to manage expectations on both sides. Like, when do you need this by so that I'm not breaking my back trying to get, trying to reach an expectation that you never even set for me in the first place? That's right. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to put you on the spot because you mentioned that you love Brené Brown. Do you have 
like I'm a I'm a quotaholic. Do you have like a a go to quote that you love from from her? Oh, I you know you know what's actually interesting. I don't I don't think I have a favorite quote. I have favorite moments. Okay, that's good <laughs> of, too. Of yeah, and and more so like just from. So when I was off, that's when I, that's when I discovered Brene. It was by mistake. I just was on YouTube and I found her, the power of vulnerability. And uh, I was like, who is this woman? Like, and then I became amazing. obsessed. <laughs> like, I need to know her. Um, and yeah, like for me, when she was talking about her um, therapist and seeing a therapist, I think that was so, that was such a, a pivotal moment in my life because I had been going to therapy, but I was like, you know, I, I'm a helper by nature. I love supporting people, which is what I did for 10 years in my position. Um, but I would never want anyone to know that I had gone to therapy. Like right. when I, so I, I um, attend Cornerstone Psychological Services in Halifax. And um, I, I remember I would walk, like I would park in their parking lot and I would like cover myself to go in, like making sure like no one would see me go. Oh. <laughs> this is how, yeah, this is, this is stigma. Right. And so um, when Brene talked about seeing a therapist, I'm like, oh, this woman, this educated researcher, storyteller, like phenomenal woman sees a therapist. And I just, that normalized things for me because I'm like, who are you <laughs> like to think that you are not deserving of support too when you support others? And uh, yeah, it was just such a great moment for me to really and like release that, you know, insecurity. Totally. And now it's coming full circle because now you're sharing that and somebody will listen and say, my God, she looks like she's got it all together. She goes to a therapist. She's, you know, listing off the things that you've shared and and helping them. So it comes full circle. That's awesome. I never thought about that. That's funny hey, you mentioned that. I never thought about that. I thought I'm just very open and transparent about ther- therapy and people will often, you know, private message me about it and ask for recommendations, which is wonderful. That's why I'm, I'm willing to talk about it. So on that note, uh, I just saw a quote on Brené's Instagram from a, a little ways back. It was, courage is contagious. And I think that having these conversations takes courage. Uh, sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. So we don't see it that way. We don't call it courage, but it is. And so hopefully that people listening to your podcast, listening to us having this conversation now are are going to feel that contagion and, and be courageous and sharing their own stories, even if it's just with themselves and their families. Well, that's it. Or even writing. Like yes. I said, like, I just had to get out of my head and, yeah. and I love, love writing. And so writing is like my safe space to, to just share my thoughts. And, and, and so and I think that kind of helped me to be able to verbalize and communicate that in therapy as well. And it's just, yeah, talking I about agree. it is so, so important. I can't stress it enough. I can't stress it enough. That's so great. 
And I just want to thank you so much for joining me, Martina. This has been an amazing conversation. I feel like we have so many similarities and I could go on and on and on about about that. But I, I really do appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story with us today. So thank you. I appreciate being here. Thank you. And we'll, we'll definitely have to do this again. Thanks again to this week's guest, Martina Kaledis, for overthinking with me all about burnout and all the things that go along with it. Hope you enjoyed it too.